Looks like you started this already. Oh, it's still saying it's going live. <laughs> I see the numbers ticking up. Okay. Does it still show? Showing me that we've live for 30 seconds now. Okay. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Just some technical difficulties on this end here, but I'm glad we're live. So welcome everybody. It's May 31st. It's almost June 1st already. And my name is Artemis Rose and this is Embody You podcast. Embody You was created with the intention to awaken and inspire women to boldly step into their authentic selves and really embrace embodiment and empowerment. And I love to bring on guests related to the topics of embodiment, authenticity, connection, and so forth. And today I have part two with Dane Dormio, who's a martial artist and mind body mastery mentor. He teaches how to tap into flow states at will for optimal achievement and quality of life. I had him here last week. You could check out the previous podcast talking about the importance of women learning physical self-defense. And he also spoke of the difference between the physical self-defense learning that and then the difference between uh, with martial arts. He didn't really go into detail about it because today he's going to go into detail. There is, uh, I believe there's seven, right, Dane? Am I eight. right? Eight, okay. Eight different types of martial arts. And I feel really excited to have him here to talk about briefly about it. And of course, if you wanna learn more about it in detail, there's the resources that, um, that are posted here that are attached and that you could always um, check him out. And in addition to the value of these martial arts, he's also going to briefly also tie it to how it relates to embodiment, how that also relates, how martial arts really helps with um, relating to it, to our authentic selves. So welcome, Dane. Thank you so much for joining again um, today. Thank you, Artemis. It's wonderful to be here talking about this topic that I'm so excited and passionate about. I'll, I'll do my best to uh, to contain everything I have to say to to one hour so we can all uh, get out of here in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate uh, you coming on board and, and to speaking to this topic because, well, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's you. It's unique for me in the sense, like I, like I've said in a previous episode, I know of these things. I just haven't really dived into hearing more about them in detail. And it's always been something I've really wanted to learn, whether that's like jujitsu or um, I've practiced Tai Chi, like some of these, but I mean, as far as going deeper into the practice and the sacredness of, of the arts of it, I'm looking forward for you sharing. So I'm, I'm wondering though, before you start talking about all the different ones, could you just share with uh, our listeners the connection like the connection between martial arts and embodiment like why is it why is it important um for us to to relate that to embodiment and how could it improve um someone's like connection to their authenticity well 
the problem is I'm, I'm thinking of multiple possible answers to that trying to narrow it down um, and and actually I think uh, I, I think um, we're, we're going to answer that question in a number of ways as we as we go through uh, as we go through this material today but I guess the the central thing would be I mean embodiment has the word body in it right <laughs> and martial arts has many dimensions including the mental the physical and the spiritual and and uh, and depending on particularly which type of martial arts which i'll clarify further uh one of the one of the main benefits of, of martial arts is that it can be a mind-body practice it can get us in touch with our our sensation, our awareness, our body. It can be a mindfulness practice. Uh, actually, the I'll, I'll just from my own experience to, to share very briefly, I grew up as a rational materialistic atheist in the Bible Belt with no concept of spiritual awareness whatsoever. And I I was actually doing martial arts for a long time, starting as a kid. I basically started doing martial arts as a kid and never stopped. And for the first 12 years, I did all different types of external martial arts. And then when I started practicing internal martial arts, that was what triggered the first major spiritual awakening of my life. And basically up until that point, I had lived my entire life pretty much confined to this part, the top, the left, the left hemisphere of my brain, for uh, those who are just listening. I, I lived all my life up here. And this was the point when I started to inhabit my entire body and be aware of my, the, the, not just the link or the connection, but the identity between mind and body. Mind and body are not connected. They are one thing, two different aspects of one single thing. And, and so I know that martial arts can be a very potent path toward to greater physical awareness, physical embodiment, to empowerment. And that's that's one of the reasons that I'm that I'm so passionate about it. Um, and uh, I. <clears throat> What, what I've identified, what I'm going to identify are eight different focuses of martial arts, not eight different types of martial arts, but eight different focuses of martial arts. And some of these focuses are more related to embodiment than others. And, and that's something that I'll, I'll point out as we go along. Um, but the, my, my main hope for this is to, is to inspire and to inform, because for one thing, I know that there are a lot of people who are interested in getting into martial arts and they never have much like yourself you know they've always had an interest or a fascination and just haven't followed through with it uh, and and pretty much all kids in my experience at least at a certain age are interested in martial arts if it's presented to them the right way and and a lot of people uh they they are interested they get interested as kids but they never start and then years later as adults it's still just a, an unfulfilled uh exploration for them so 
I for for the people out there who have always been fascinated by martial arts who have have been wanting to explore I hope to provide some inspiration for that and also some information to help help get you oriented in the right direction because martial arts is a big world there's a lot of stuff out there and it can be hard to know just where to start and uh, and and hopefully the the information that I'm going to share will be helpful in that regard as well great <clears throat> so where I want to start kind of relating back to what we talked about last time which was disambiguating martial arts and self-defense because it's it's commonly understood that they're the same thing. If you want to learn self-defense, take a martial arts class. Um, but they're actually very different. Martial arts is much more broad than self-defense. There are, there are actually eight different focuses of martial arts that I've identified. And the first thing to understand about this is different martial arts provide different benefits. Uh, uh, of, of those eight focuses, self-defense is, is one of them, but there are, are seven others besides that. So different martial arts provide different benefits, and depending on what you're looking for, different martial arts will, uh, will, will be more appropriate. <clears throat> and it's also important to understand that no martial art provides all of these things. No martial art provides all eight of these focuses, and if if uh, a martial art claims that it provides all of these things, that it provides everything, it's probably a cult, and you should probably run the other direction because uh, because no martial art provides all these, but but there are those that claim that they do, um, and so I hope to provide some clarity around what the different benefits of martial arts are and which specific martial arts would be appropriate to study depending on what you're interested in getting out of it. Because the number one guiding principle is be clear on when it comes to choosing what type of martial arts to study. My number one guiding principle is be clear on what you want to get from your training be clear on what you're actually getting from your training and make sure that they're a match. Make sure that, that you're actually getting what you want to be getting. And this definitely applies to self-defense. If you want to learn self-defense, study a martial art that actually provides that because there are a lot that, that really don't. Um, but this also goes for all these, uh, all these uh, eight focuses that we'll look at. So, um the starting with what are the eight focuses i i'll uh go ahead and uh and and go through these once share them define what they are the first focus is preserving traditional art forms and this includes most styles that place emphasis on ritual tradition lineage and culture and, and there are a lot of styles that place a lot of emphasis on this, and there are a lot that don't. So if you're interested in, in the, the culture, the tradition, then this is one thing you can look for. Preserving, uh, preserving tradition for the sake of tradition, keeping, keeping the tradition alive. The second focus is sport or tournament or competition. And this includes lots of things like boxing, sparring, MMA, other forms of competitive sport fighting, of which there are many. 
And the third focus is demonstration or display. Um, well, actually, let me, let me clarify a little bit more about focus to uh, sport, tournament, competition. This is specifically physically competing against other humans. Um, so so if, it's, if it's two people in a ring uh, competing uh, directly against each other in a physical sense. The third focus is demonstration and display. And this includes things like forms, competitions, traditional demonstrations, uh, which, which a lot of martial arts emphasize this, looking good, um, and, and also action choreography, stunts, tricking, um, the, the sort of Hollywood movie stunt type of uh, movie foo, and, and other forms of performance arts, things that are done for the, the display and, uh, and demonstration. And some martial arts have this element and some don't. Focus four, I call professional use of force, which includes military and law enforcement applications, as well as modern weapons, modern, modern weapons training, so firearms training, um, and and this could be further subdivided into mil the military and law enforcement applications are slightly different, slightly different in a uh, a, a civilian law enforcement context versus a battlefield context, but. But I just include these together under professional use of force. And then focus five is civilian self-defense, meaning what you would need to know to, to defend yourself against physical violence if you are not a, a use of force professional. And this includes understanding legal use of force principles, a lot of which we, we talked about last week, specifically that Self-defense is a legal term and, and what that specifically means. It also includes crime awareness and avoidance, de-escalation, and specific skills for surviving life-threatening criminal violence. So if, if your life or something equally valuable is on the line, if you have to resort to the use of force to prevent the, the commission of a forcible and atrocious crime. Focus six is health, wellness, and longevity. This includes long-term health cultivation and longevity, and, as well as introspective and meditative practices for cultivating internal awareness. So this includes like the meditative uh, aspects of, of martial arts, which again, some martial arts have this, some don't. Focus seven is character development and this includes physical and psychological self-improvement discipline as well as spiritual development so uh, you could say all martial arts have this to some degree but some emphasize it more than others it's sort of the holistic development of of, of you as a person and then focus eight is calisthenics and physical fitness. And this, this can include practices that are purely fitness-based, things like cardio kickboxing that really have little, if any, martial or competitive uh, aspect. And, and the main focus is on getting in shape. And also styles that place a high emphasis on physical fitness for performance or competition. Some martial arts emphasize this more than others. All martial arts are physical to some degree, but some emphasize physical fitness more than others. So 
those are the eight focuses. And these are this is what martial arts have to offer. So when choosing a a martial art, the it's important to get clear on which of these are most important to you. Which of these do you want to get out of your training and, and which are not as important because no martial art provides all of them. So getting clear on what you want and then learning about the different styles of martial arts and and what they provide. And you can you can read about this, you can learn about it online, you you can you can listen to this uh, podcast. Um, and you can also learn this from visiting different schools, observing class, even participating in class, see what it's like, uh, see see uh, how how much you get from it, and and especially for for somebody who's just getting started and who's new, I, I think it is really important to experience different styles and different schools, even even if you're clear on what style you want to learn, even try going to different schools that teach that style because different schools are different, different teachers are different. So uh, I, I really, this is an application of the rule of three. Try at least three different things before you settle on one, just to give yourself some parallax and, and some perspective. So what, uh, what will, what I'd like to look at right now is actually I have a, a resource and this, this resource is also on my website and the resources that I've shared, but this is a table that I made that, uh, that sh shows for a number of different popular martial arts styles, what specific benefits they provide. So, um, now would be a good time to, uh, go ahead and pull that up. Okay, so what we what we have here is a table with different martial arts styles going down the left and the eight different focuses going across the top. And the what I've highlighted is the specific focuses that different martial arts emphasize, the ones that, that they're strongest in. So for example, with preserving tradition. Uh, tai Chi and internal martial arts, at least traditional Tai Chi and traditional internal martial arts are very big on preserving tradition and culture. There's, uh, there's a lot of, like you, you learn a lot of the language and history in the process of learning these. So I put an X there because Tai Chi and, and most internal martial arts are pretty strong on preserving tradition. And then Aikido is another martial arts, a, a Japanese martial art that's very popular that also places a lot of emphasis on tradition, culture, lineage, you, you get to, uh, to, to learn the different cultural aspects, including dress and, and history and language. And for, for those who enjoy that sort of thing, this is a great martial art. Um, and uh, Wing Chun is another martial art, a Chinese martial art made popular by Bruce Lee. It was what he studied as a kid. Um, that was actually developed by a woman, there, a, a Buddhist nun uh, the, the, the lore of this martial art is it was actually developed by a Buddhist nun, um, and is, uh, to, to be, uh, a, a, an effective martial art for women and that it relies more on, 
dexterity and and precision and sensitivity more so than brute strength. And then uh, MMA is is most popularly known to the UFC. It's not really a martial art, but it's basically a combination of Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, wrestling, and it's it's typified in uh, modern day combat sports. Really, zero emphasis on preserving tradition or culture in mixed martial arts. That's not what it's about. It's a it's just a, a modern competitive sport fighting. Uh, uh, system. And then BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, also very little emphasis on preserving tradition. Um, it is a, a derivative of Jiu-Jitsu, which is a traditional Japanese art, uh, a grappling and leverage art. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu emphasizes ground fighting uh, and, and submission, leverage, submission, joint locks, chokeholds, that sort of thing. Um, but it's it's a, a largely modern martial art that, that really places little if any emphasis on the traditional roots. Taekwondo is a very popular Korean martial art that that places a good deal of emphasis on preserving tradition, history, and culture. Um, Sistema is a, uh, a more modern uh, Russian martial art. It's actually very closely associated with the military. Um, it's, it's sort of the official martial art of the Russian uh, special Forces, the Spetsnaz, and, it, and it's also taught many places around the world. And it's it's basically modern military combat art. Um, and then RBSD is, is reality-based self-defense, which is kind of a catch-all territory for systems that focus specifically on modern-day civilian self-defense and have little, if any, connection with traditional art forms. And then Capoeira is a... Uh, a Brazilian style that's really a, a, a fusion of martial arts, dance, music, and acrobatics. It's a whole lot of fun to watch. It's even more fun to do. And it is, uh, it's a really unique martial art because it, uh, the, the, the legend is that it was uh, invented by, uh, by slaves uh, by escaped slaves living in the jungle. There's kind of a lot of mythology that's grown up around it, but it, it basically, it, in its modern form, it, it came out of the uh, the uh, the the uh, the barrios in uh, in Brazil. It was it's kind of like uh, kind of like how basketball is associated with poor black people uh in in the united states you know it's it is kind of an outgrowth of uh, of that culture capoeira is is kind of was was developed in in a from a similar cultural milieu um <clears throat> so if you're interested in preserving tradition and uh in uh, preserving tradition culture these are all martial arts that would be a good choice with regard to sport and competition, the main martial arts that focus on this, if you want to get in the ring and compete with somebody, uh, mixed martial arts, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu place a lot of emphasis on that. That's the main emphasis. Um, Taekwondo also uh, incorporates a great deal of sparring. It has a pretty high emphasis on sparring. It's not as competitive as MMA and BJJ, but sparring is, uh, is a large component of it. And then in terms of demonstration and display, the styles that place the, the most emphasis on this 
Tai Chi, the traditional Tai Chi has quite a bit of emphasis on demonstration and specifically the forms. It's about doing the forms and uh, and there's a, there's a strong internal focus, yes, but there's also quite a bit of emphasis on uh, on making it look good and and uh, and and display the the artisticness of it. Aikido also places a, quite a bit of emphasis on demonstration and display, um, not so much in in a demonstration sense, but in the aesthetics of the art. It's um, it's sort of intertwined with the uh, with the art itself. It's it's very graceful and flowing, and that's one of the that's one of the aspects of it that appeals to a lot of people. Um, Taekwondo also has a lot of emphasis on demonstration and display uh, forms, um, things like board breaking and and stunts and tricks like that. And Capoeira, the the main emphasis is on demonstration and display. The, that's that's one of the things that that this is really unique about this martial art is that it's it's dance acrobatics. It's it's played in a circle. Two people are playing in the in the middle, and everybody else is watching and clapping and singing along. So that is that's one of the main strengths of of uh, capoeira as a martial art. In terms of professional use of force, uh, aikido is actually really good for this because one of the tenets of, of aikido and how it's different and and unique from almost all other martial arts is that the aim in Aikido is to subdue your opponent without harming them. That, that's, that's the whole basis of it. It's, it's about not doing harm. So for law enforcement professionals uh, and, and people working in security and things where you, know, you have to deal with bad people, hurting them as little as possible, um, this is actually, uh, this can actually be a really great martial art to study and, and it emphasizes things like uh, leverage, joint locks, control. Um, there was actually uh, a, a friend of mine who's a, uh, a police officer. What he said to me is uh, we were talking about the, the value of, of martial arts for law enforcement and how it's important for, uh, for police to be proficient in, in hand to hand so that they don't have to, uh, they, they don't have to be so quick to resort to their tools, especially lethal force tools um, in, in, in situations. And, and one thing he said to me is, no matter uh, how good you are, you'll never be able to punch somebody into handcuffs. And I, I think that really uh, highlights the, the value of, uh, of Aikido and also BJJ, which is also good for professional use of force for kind of similar reasons. It's about control and submission uh, which uh, is which is uh, really important for law enforcement where you're trying to cause as little harm as possible. Uh, you have to you have to protect the public, you have to protect yourself, of course, um, but ideally causing as, as little harm as possible. So uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which focuses mainly on control and submission, um, is also very effective for that. Um, and then Sistema and reality-based self-defense are, uh, are also valid, have valid applications for professional use of force, um, particularly for situations where force or lethal force is required because that's, uh, that's kind of what these, these styles focus on. And um, 
of course, we always want to avoid using force, especially deadly force, whenever possible. But when it is absolutely necessary, we want to be able to do it effectively. And, and then in the realm of civilian self-defense, you'll notice there's really not very much on here that is actually applicable to civilian self-defense, especially not the things that people might think like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, BJJ is, is there's a lot of, uh, a lot of the publicity about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is it's an effective self-defense style. But um, the, the reality is it is, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu became so popular because it came to dominate the early MMA. There were the early MMA was it really was different martial arts styles competing against each other. And through a, a process of refinement, it kind of came. It turned out that certain things worked really well in that environment and certain things didn't. And the the advantages of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in, in the early MMA were uh, the, the, the Gracie brothers who, who first developed and popularized this, they were fighting in a controlled environment in, in a ring with, with, uh, a soft floor. Uh, I mean, relatively soft, not like pavement, um, for example, uh, or gravel, but, but something where you can, you can roll around on the ground and, and not hurt yourself. Um, they were fighting against a single opponent with specific fixed rules uh, and protective equipment with a uh, with ring rules, a ref in an, a, an agreed upon and prepared for uh, match pitting strength, speed, skill, endurance of one human being against another. And it turned out that Brazilian Jiu Jitsu thrived under those circumstances. It's really good for, uh, for, for winning under those specific conditions. Um, but when in, in, in a different context, the context where two people agree voluntarily to pit themselves against each other in a, in a competition with rules that are designed to, extend the duration of the match for the enjoyment of the audience and minimize the chance of serious injury to the participants uh, in a in a one-on-one -on -one situation with protective equipment and a referee that's a very different context than the situation where there is uh, an uncontrolled environment one or more people who are intent on on causing grievous bodily harm or committing some kind of forcible and atrocious crime where it's not voluntary, where the victims are selected based on weakness and vulnerability, where it's very likely that, that there will be the presence of force multipliers, of weapons, of multiple assailants, of deadly intent, it's it's a completely different context and and so that's the important thing to understand about civilian self-defense most of what is studied in martial arts does not apply in that context um so 
reality-based self-defense is is pretty much focuses on on that context and th there are many different types of reality-based self-defense and there's a lot of variety within this but um but if you if you want to learn self-defense skills you really need to study a system that focuses on those because it's it's very different than the context of traditional martial arts or competitive sports and there's, there's actually a, a couple of examples um, that that I I want to point to to illustrate this because a lot of people I know will have a hard time accepting this uh, because you know it, it seems like it's very similar you know you you're in a in a sport fighting context you you're you're testing your skills you're pressure testing you know you're putting them against another person and it's and it is a physical skill set that seems like it would transfer. But, uh, but skill transference, I actually want to say something about skill transference here because it's, it's relevant to this specifically. It's, it's relevant to all martial arts. We, we have this idea that skills can transfer very readily from one activity to another. And it's, you know, we all saw the Karate Kid where uh, uh, Danielson is learning wax on, wax off and paint the fence. And he's learning how to fight without even realizing it, you know, and then uh, he's, he's actually learning this fighting skills because wax on, wax off, paint to fence transfers to a fighting situation. Well, that's a movie. <laughs> uh, in reality, skill transference is a real thing, but it's very narrow and limited. Um, there's, there's very little skill transference between different martial arts. And one place you can see this is... If in in the world of competitive sport fighting, if you uh, if you watch a match between between competitors with different backgrounds, and a perfect example is uh, there's there's a number of matches like this that you can find on on YouTube uh, or online. You find the videos where a boxer goes up against a kickboxer, like uh, and um, and there's one in particular where there's like a, a well-known world-class boxer who's going up against a kickboxer. And what ends up happening is the, the boxer gets, keeps getting kicked in the legs, tripped, swept, falling down. Um, because if you, if you train under one set of rules or conditions and then you change those even slightly, many of the skills that you develop under those constraints just don't apply. And uh, and that's that's one example that illustrates this. Um, when I uh, when I uh, have have taught uh, self defense skills to people who have a competitive martial arts background, I, I use this image, which is that in in any kind of competitive sport fighting, there are certain areas of the body that are valid targets, and there are certain areas of the body that are not valid targets. So you if you look at a diagram. Uh, the, the valid targets are, are one color and the, and the non-valid targets are another color because the valid targets are places where a person can get hit and they can withstand quite a bit of non-specific trauma and not be hurt too bad. The invalid targets are the places on the body that are more fragile, more vulnerable to injury, and, and the injury is, is more likely to be life-threatening or, uh, or, or to be severely debilitating. And in if in training for for self-defense what i said is i look at that diagram and it's almost like a photographic negative 
these targets that are valid targets for competition are not valid targets for self-defense. And the targets that are not valid targets for competition are the valid targets for self-defense. So it's a completely different context, a completely different mindset when you're training for one versus the other. And as just one more example to illustrate this, if, if, you're, if you're curious about this and you really want to learn about this yourself, what I suggest is doing a search, an internet search for boxing champ shot dead or uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu champ shot dead or, or stabbed to death. Um, uh, add different combinations of these and you can find lots of stories in the media. Uh, I'll just mention two of them that are that were pretty well known. One was uh, Alex Gong, who is a Golden Gloves boxer and kickboxer uh, in San Francisco uh, a number of years ago. But he was he was training in his open air gym, and his car was parked nearby. And uh, another vehicle came by and sideswiped his car, and then drove off. And he he was in the gym training, and he saw this. He ran out in his in his training gear and his gloves. He ran out and and chased down the car, which was like stopped at a, a stoplight, ran up shouting. And uh, what he didn't know was that this car was actually being driven by some uh, some criminals who were fleeing and they just opened the door and shot him. And uh, and and he died. Uh, there was a another uh, incident similar to this, uh, a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu master in uh, a guy actually in Brazil, uh, Bruno Inacio, who was on a bus where there was a guy uh, robbing people at gunpoint. And he resorted to his training, he resorted to his competition protocols, got the guy in a perfect rear naked choke, got shot in the head and died. So I'm just sharing these illustrative examples. You can find plenty more by searching for them that the skills that you learn in traditional martial arts and combat sports are not the the skills that are involved in life or death criminal violence and there is a belief that oh well i'll train to do this but if a situation happens i'll do this other thing and it's it's really a fantasy you do what you train this is this is the purpose of training i mean if you're going to train to do one thing and then do something else in the situation what good is that training anyway you do what you train you and and so if you want to train you have to know what you intend to be prepared for do you do you intend to win a cage fight or do you intend to survive a murder attempt and train accordingly so um I'm, I'm really emphasizing this because I think this is one of the biggest misconceptions out there about martial arts and also one of the most dangerous that if you, you may think that you're learning self-defense skills that will not actually work for you if and when you have to rely on them. So in the realm of civilian self-defense, there's, there's really very little specialized training for that, unfortunately. Um, and if you, uh, if you if you do want to train for that, then you have to train specifically in those systems and styles that will prepare you for that. <clears throat> and then health, wellness and longevity being the next focus, Tai Chi and internal martial arts are great for this, this is one of the biggest strengths of internal martial arts. 
They, because internal martial arts basically incorporate exercise, breath work, and meditation all into a single activity. Um, Aikido also has a lot of benefits for uh, health, wellness, and longevity. And Aikido and Wing Chun both, they're, they're kind of internal. They're not strictly internal martial arts, but they, they both have a lot of internal elements and, and they um, both have a lot of benefits for health, wellness, and longevity. Um, Sistema also, I put it uh, in this category because Sistema is also a largely internal martial art. It actually uh, places a great deal of emphasis on pliability of the body, on breathing and breath control, unifying the body, breath, and mind. And it has a lot of internal elements in its own right. So that's why I put it in this category. And then for personal development, as I said, almost all martial arts have some emphasis on personal development because I mean, you're learning a skill set, you're, you're developing physical fitness and, um, and there's some benefit to pretty much all martial arts, but some emphasize this more than others, particularly the internal martial arts, um, as well as capoeira. And what's unique about capoeira is it develops, uh, a lot more than just the physical skills. I mean, you, you learn to play music uh, and uh, and sing. Lear, learning capoeira was uh, like, I, I had no musical talent at all. Uh, and, uh, but, but through capoeira was how I learned to actually sing and play an instrument at the same time, which was like one of the, one of, one of the biggest, uh, biggest challenges I've ever overcome in, in any martial art is learning how to sing and, and play at the same time. Um, and then in terms of calisthenics and physical fitness, almost all martial arts provide this to some degree, but some emphasize it more than others. And this is actually where Tai Chi and internal arts aren't really big on this. And there's some variety, of course, depending on the specific school and teacher, but um, internal martial arts are really great if you want something gentle. They're, they're not so great if you want to get shredded and, and get in really good shape. Aikido, though, actually does place a lot of emphasis on physical fitness, and and in a typical Aikido class, you'll get a really great uh, physical and cardiovascular workout. Um, and then the the combat sports, MMA, BJJ, and, and and other combat sports as well, obviously place a lot of emphasis on calisthenics and physical fitness. Um, mostly functional fitness. So it's different than like weightlifting or bodybuilding. The emphasis on functional fitness uh, in terms of mobility, flexibility, uh, functional strength, endurance. And Taekwondo, and, and Taekwondo is really representative of a lot of traditional martial arts. It's, I, it's very similar to karate, although there are many, many different styles of karate, which is part of the reason I didn't put karate on here. But a lot of the uh, the commercialized karate and the mainstream karate is very similar to Taekwondo and, and has many of the same benefits, including calisthenics and physical fitness. In fact, um, I, Taekwondo was the first martial art that I did as a kid, starting at age 10. And I did it from age 10 to age 14. And I'm really grateful for that because I, I was in I was in really good shape. It got me in really good shape, and uh, a lot of push-ups and sit-ups, uh, as well as kicking high and jumping and and all kinds of good stuff. And I think that's 
particularly important at a particular age because I, I believe there's a certain age around 12, 13 ish, where if a person is in good physical shape at that particular age, they're likely to be in pretty good shape for, for the rest of their life. It'll be much easier for them to maintain uh, a certain level of physical fitness. Whereas if somebody is in very poor physical shape at that formative age, then it will be much harder for them to, uh, to develop uh, physical fitness after that. So um, that's definitely one of the benefits of Taekwondo for, for kids and adults alike. And then Capoeira is one of the best martial arts for physical fitness because of the, the, the dance components, the acrobatics. There's lots of things like handstands, cartwheels, uh, at, depending on how advanced you are, there's aerial maneuvers, uh, spin kicks, backflips. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on whole body functional movement. And uh, if you if you wanted to get in shape, I would uh, if you wanted to get in the best shape of your life, um, then capoeira would be one of the martial arts I would recommend. And this is in uh, also related to physical fitness. Um, I think this is one of the greatest benefits of martial arts and how it uh, and one of the ways that it relates to embodiment and empowerment, um, because as a kid, uh, I, I was I loved martial arts. I was really into martial arts. I was not into physical fitness. I um, I wasn't a jock at school. You know, I, I didn't go out for sports and 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 working out. And and I, I really didn't enjoy working out just for the sake of working out. Um, for for a lot of my life, I just I, I was not into working out just to be in shape. But I could do martial arts all day long. So for somebody who who wants to be in shape but doesn't like going to the gym, doesn't like running and lifting weights and and exercise for the sake of exercise, which I mean honestly it can be kind of boring and and uh, and and tedious. Um, any kind of martial arts that emphasizes calisthenics and physical fitness can be a great uh, a great doorway to to getting in shape so that you you get in shape almost without realizing it because you're having so much fun. Yeah, I appreciated you adding in that part of like it's important to find movement or any sort of um, yeah exercise that is fun and enjoyable. And you having this list, I really like how you laid it all out here because I was looking at it and prior to seeing this on the screen, I only knew of which are like the main popular ones, right? So Aikido, Taekwondo, Tai Chi, and I think that's it. I was trying to look on the, the list. Like those were the main ones that, uh, that, I've heard of <laughs> the other ones. I didn't really hear much growing up and I, I know we only have about 10 minutes and, and I wanted to ask you though, cause you brought up something really, really interesting about your friend who's uh, a police officer. And I'm curious, are there any trainings that are linked up with the martial arts for police departments? <clears throat> that's that's a that is a really great question, and the answer is 
it's highly variable. Um, it's, it's highly variable between departments in terms of uh, like certain de different departments will provide different types of training. Um, and it's also highly variable between individual officers because it's, it's largely voluntary. So, so there, there are some uh, police officers who uh, if, you know, if, if a department actually provides uh, hand to hand uh, physical training for police officers. Some will do it, some won't. Some uh, will study martial arts outside of their career. Um, okay. Because some I won't. So it's it's highly it's highly variable. But there is no standardized like program for this. Like there's training in the academy, but in terms of ongoing training for active duty officers, unfortunately, it's severely lacking. Yeah, I'm glad this topic is coming up because I really think in terms of just trying to do no harm, right? Like doing as best to uh, avoid doing as much harm. And then all the mind, body embodiment practices and components for, for this would just really be an added benefit for police departments. Like you were saying, security officers. I mean, this, this I think it should be required as a part of the police training, at least, you know, one, once, well, they would compile a program altogether, but I've never really thought about the martial arts in this aspect. Cause I mean, you hear about yoga, you know, um, yoga and mindfulness, that's trainings for first responders and for trauma informed care education and all these other um in prisons and all that and i've been a part of that too but martial arts besides tai chi i haven't really uh, tai chi i've also heard in like you know prisons and uh and in different spaces serving underserved communities but as far as like our first responders or those who are actually in it to to take care and protect the community i haven't actually heard of any martial arts programs um, around it. I mean, I know they have the Tai Chi programs for veterans, right? But this would actually be like a really beautiful preventative added um, self-care, but also just embodiment care to be able to be more effective when, when going out into the community and especially if it's like we're having our police department uh police officers carry you know weapons and place themselves like you were saying at risk in at-risk situations but being very cognizant and conscious of of still how one chooses to move in in these spaces yeah i i wholeheartedly agree my my big dream in life is to see mindfulness practices and and mind body practices and and particularly internal martial arts and and derivative practices in many more places where they could do a lot of good i mean in schools in hospitals in homeless shelters in prisons um i uh that's that's one of the, the the grandest visions of my life is is to see these things more widely practiced and for um for speaking about uh police and law, law enforcement in general 
there there really is a need for the the physical skills in addition to the physical fitness health right. wellness uh well-being stress reduction uh mindfulness practices there also is a need for the the physical control and restraint uh and uh and and, and in worst case scenarios the actual skills of violence and and this is this is for the safety of officers, as well as for the public. So, um, I if 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 I can encourage if I can encourage uh, if you are in law enforcement, um, you should be doing some kind of regular physical training because I mean, law enforcement the 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 main emphasis uh, hand to hand is is very low priority. I mean, the, the main, the main things they rely on are tools, tactics, and teamwork. But there are, there are lots of situations. A lot of the, um, the incidences of, uh, of police killings could have been avoided if officers were more proficient in hand-to-hand, uh, hand-to-hand skills, particularly control and restraint. And if they were, uh, if they were more confident in their hand-to-hand skills, they would be less quick to escalate to using their tools, uh, whether it's non-lethal tools like uh, taser or, or mace or, or lethal tools like their firearms. Often the reasons that, that um, like it was kind of referring to what I said earlier, you do what you train. Um, uh, officers are trained to use their tools and in a, in a high pressure situation, uh, especially if, if you're inexperienced, um, and, and you're, you're scared for yourself. Uh, oftentimes, uh, officers will resort to using a higher level force than is necessary just, uh, just because of, of their own fear and, and, uh, and lack of experience. So, um, this is, this is really a matter of, of public safety, uh, that plenty of situations could be verbally de-escalated. Plenty of situations could be dealt with through, through restraint, especially when there's uh, when there's teamwork is a big part of it because it it really takes three to five people to effectively control one person who really doesn't want to be controlled. But the the odds are more stacked in your favor the more skilled and practiced and confident you are with uh, with restraint and control tactics. So. Yeah, I think this is a, there. There should be. There absolutely should be. This should be an integral part of police training, hand-to-hand skills, and and control and restraint. Um, yeah, I mean because it's it just makes sense. And I mean in terms of the being d- deeply connected in the in terms of the sensing and the. <sighs> like you were just sharing it's not just about the the physical fitness aspect it's just about being able to actually feel into the experience and and sense into it and and use the intuition like that the martial arts martial arts really helps ground oneself in and being able to really 
read and, and navigate swiftly the the situation, whatever situation. And it just makes sense because it's like if we're having police officers or anybody in general, but it's like if you're under high stress situations, like that's when you're going to get triggered the most in like a high stress situation. So what better practice than maintaining some sort of embodiment practice like the martial arts to be able to uh, really ground and and strengthen one's own connection uh, with oneself. So, yeah, I really appreciate right. awareness and intuition is a huge part of it, as well as de-escalation, because in order to de-escalate someone else, whether it's a, a, a toddler throwing a tantrum or or whether it's a, a, a mentally disturbed person or uh, or somebody who's um, uh, under chemical influence, you you can't de-escalate someone else unless you can de-escalate yourself. Totally. You have to de-escalate yourself first. So that's that's a place where the the mind body practices um, really uh, fit into this in terms of um, awareness, self-control under stressful situations. Now, I I want to mention one more thing before we wrap up uh, or maybe a couple things. One is this a disclaimer that this is, first of all, it's not comprehensive. There are lots of martial arts, uh, way more than are on this chart. This is just a, a representative sample. And also it might not be perfect. These are my impressions and opinions and experience. Other people will have their different opinions, I'm sure. Um, but the, the main idea is that uh, again, the, the guiding principle that I shared, be clear on what you want to get from your training, be clear on what you're actually getting from your training and make sure they're a match and, and also try different things and, and, and find out what works for you. And there's a, another, uh, martial art category of martial arts, really Filipino martial arts, Kali, Arnes, Eskrima, it goes by various names that's not on here, but, uh, but I wanted to mention this also in relation to because because I know a lot of your audience is women and and we're speaking particularly about uh, in women's embodiment and empowerment. Um, all all martial arts are you know women women can excel at any martial art they want. Let me just say that first of all, I and mean, that's that's been clearly demonstrated. Martial arts is largely male dominated, but in any martial arts style or tradition, there there are and there always have been women who uh, who excelled uh at that um and any and even more so in the modern day like there, there's uh some videos you can find of this really badass like eight-year-old russian girl who's just an all like a uh, expert uh, at boxing um and uh or I mean, she's maybe she's 12 she, but she's like <laughs> she's, she's, a, she's a girl like a young girl and is just an amazing boxer um so so I'll, I'll just qualify this by saying any any women can excel any martial art they want. Um, I mentioned uh, Wing Chun as as supposedly being a martial art that was developed by a woman, um, and Filipino martial arts are actually have a lot of parallels with Wing Chun. I, I actually learned both from the same instructor, um, and what he said was Wing Chun is like Filipino martial arts without weapons. Filipino martial arts are like Wing Chun with weapons because Filipino martial arts 
primarily emphasize uh, fighting with traditional weapons, mainly sticks and knives. Um, and what he uh, what he also told me about Filipino martial arts is that in 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 the traditional uh, teaching, in, in the traditional way of teaching, boys were started out learning how to use sticks first, and then they would learn how to use knives, and then they would learn the empty hand techniques. But girls were started out using knives right away because they are naturally more graceful and coordinated and precise. So um, I just wanted to mention this because it's it's not on this chart, but uh, Filipino martial arts are are great in a lot of ways, um, provide a lot of these benefits in terms of preserving tradition, also uh, physical fitness um, and personal development, and a lot of emphasis on weapons, which uh, if, if you, if you want to carry a knife for self-defense or if you just want to be able to use uh, weapons that you find in your environment, um, if, or if you just want to have, you know, have fun training with weapons, Filipino martial arts are, uh, are really great for that. Beautiful. I appreciate that, Shane, uh, Dane, for adding, adding the Filipino martial arts. Cause I, that was also something I didn't, I didn't know either. So we do have to wrap up. So I really appreciate you coming on and those who are listening on the podcast if you weren't able to actually, I mean, you're, you're not able to see the image, but the image is on his website as a resource that you can check out. I'd highly in, encourage you to do so. Um, it's marshallenergetics.com. And he has a tab with that has uh, resources that you can check out, but it's really simplified and easy to follow with, with all the points that he he pretty much laid out right now in in describing the different uh, focuses of martial arts. And I really appreciate you coming on, Dane, last week and this week to talk about something that I think does need to get more talked about. And I do, I do think it needs to be more implemented in a lot of our support systems, institutions. I think even it needs to be more expanded for women in general, the martial arts. I mean, yeah, you hear of still girls and, and women doing martial arts, but it's still not something that is, I think. It's, it's very male dominated and, and not, and the thing that's seen more is for boys than for girls to a large extent. Right. And there needs to be like PE classes with like this as an option. Cause I know in my schools, this wasn't an option as a PE and it would have been nice to experience that, you know, because it's like, especially kind of that you referenced when you started around 10 and you said between 10 and I think 14 is like the peak to really develop physical fitness. Right. I think it's really important. Um, that we do expose our children to these sorts of things at a younger age to begin to really um, at least have some sort of fallback experience, right? Because sometimes when we grow up, I know for me, it's like some of the stuff that I initially did as a kid 
when I went off to college, I lost touch with, but I always had that connection or that base, that association um, to, to kind of link up to. But uh, so I really appreciated you once again, coming on last week, talking about the physical defense for women and then clarifying uh, about the different focuses of martial arts for women. And before we wrap up, what would you like to say for listeners as like a, a piece of advice or encouragement or suggestion just in general um, with the topic or embodiment or whatever in general, just you would like to share? Well, uh, one thing I'd like to share is that I'm really grateful for the opportunity to talk about this because this is one of my favorite subjects. I love talking about it. I love uh, I love educating people and, and helping to uh, open their eyes. And the one thing uh, I, uh, I I put the resources on my website as a way that the, our our listeners can uh, can use to explore further and if they're interested in this. But the one thing that I would say is, if you have been interested in learning martial arts for a while and you keep putting it off, here's your round to it. <laughs> just do it. Just get started. Just start somewhere. Don't put it off any longer. If you're if you're ready to get started, start somewhere. Um, don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. There's a lot of variety in the martial arts world and most places you'll find are very welcoming. They're, they're very kind and friendly and supportive of beginners. So if you're, if it's, if you're, if you've been hesitating to get started or you may be a little bit nervous or afraid, don't be, I promise you, it's going to be a great experience. And, uh, and if maybe you have a bad experience at one school, there are other schools out there, but we have a totally different experience. So, um, if you've been putting this off, now is the time. Thank you for that. And listeners, uh, that also speaks to me because I've been, putting it, I've been putting it off. I mean, the only martial arts that I've actually practiced was, and I shared this with you, Dane, is the, the Tai Chi. About eight years ago, I started doing Tai Chi consistently, actually in Orange County. And then I just kind of got disconnected from it and I just got more into the yoga. And then uh, this past year, it's been coming up again and I do it sporadically here and there, but I I really want to stay consistent uh, with it and then hopefully expand in other areas. Uh, Hopefully, I would like to learn, uh, you know, maybe jujitsu or Aikido. I'm not really maybe those although i'm really i'm really curious about even the martial energetics that you kind of spoke to um that's kind of like integrative in a lot of aspects so yeah Anyways, I, and I'll, I'll mention that too because that was on the chart but i didn't mention it my system martial energetics um i also does not cover all eight of these um there are uh certain things that uh i i designed a system um for optimizing human potential and it's good at some things and not good at others there is uh there's 
zero emphasis on preserving tradition, on sport and competition, on demonstration and display, uh, and some relevance, but very little for professional use of force. But the uh, the focuses that the martial energetic system excels at are civilian self-defense, health, wellness, and longevity, personal development, and calisthenics and physical fitness. It really is largely inspired by, uh, largely draws upon uh, the traditions of reality-based self-defense and internal martial arts. So there are not many systems that actually combine those. Uh, Sistema does to a great deal, um, but it's, it's really rare to have both the, the internal aspects as well as the self-defense elements in a single system. So the, as far as the system that I teach, that's the, really the, the unique uh, selling point of it. If you're interested in physical self-defense and personal safety, as well as the internal meditative mind-body aspects, um, then it, it's really great for that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that. Okay, everybody, I really appreciate you once again listening. This is Embody You podcast, and this is Artemis Rose, and this was uh, today we had Dane Dormio on. And feel free to once again check out check him out uh, at marshallenergetics.com or danedormio.com. And I look forward to connecting with you all for the next episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye.